God rules from his holy palace. God settles those who have been deserted in their own homes. <clears throat> he frees the prisoners and he grants them prosperity. But sinful rebels live in the desert. Oh God, when you lead your people into battle, when you march through the desert, Selah. The earth shakes, yes, the heavens pour down rain before God, the God of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. Oh God, you cause abundant showers to fall on your chosen people. When they are tired, you sustain them, for you live among them. You sustain the oppressed with your good blessings, O oh God. The Lord speaks, and many, many women spread the good news. <clears throat> Kings leading armies run away, they run away. The lovely lady of the house divides up the loot. When you lie down among the sheepfolds, the wings of the dove are covered with silver and with glittering gold. When the sovereign judge scatters kings, let it snow on Zalman. Remember a few years ago, I was, the Lord spoke this to me. He told me to go to Psalm 68. Verse 13, he said this to me because I was, it was a conflict going on between the, the idea of the working class and the professional class. And the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, why do you want the blue and the white? Or why do you want the blue and the red when you can have the silver and the gold? Why do you want the blue and the white or the blue and the red when you can have purple? because you're a royal family. And he's like, you see, and he took me to this verse here. It says, the wings of the dove, speaking of Holy Spirit, are covered with silver. And it, it says, it'll say his pinions. It says they are uh, glittering gold. And the Lord is like, if you follow me, Holy Spirit, if you stay in tune with me, if you'll follow me, you don't have to get into this class division and class distinction in the blue and the white or the blue and the red politically or socioeconomically, but you get to have the silver and the gold. And he said, when it, in the middle of this was God's great hope for us and great prosperity and blessing on his people that he would take, take us, <clears throat> excuse me, that felt disconnected from family and place us in families. He would take care of our provision and that would there be hope in our families. But we, he's like, give yourself to me, the dove. Give yourself to the Holy Spirit to follow him. And as you know, we follow the Holy Spirit very tender and we, we uh, stay connected to him. And his ways are not our ways. Uh, he may take us down different routes and we say, how can on the other side of that be hope for me and my family? And the Lord's like, follow me down this path and I will take care of you and I will set you in a family 
I will bless your family and I'll take care of your your needs. I'll take care of you and I will bless you. And so, so all the kings that try to assault and come against God's people, these Lord says, you know, in this place of with him, it scatters them out of the way, and God starts to bring the whiteness of the snow and the glory of his presence down. The mountain of Bashan is a towering mountain. The mountain with many peaks. Why do you look with envy, O mountains and many peaks, at the mountain where God has decided to live? Indeed, the Lord will live there permanently. God has countless chariots. They number in the thousands. The Lord comes from Sinai in holy splendor. You ascend on high and you have taken many captives. You receive tribute from men, including even sinful those who are sinful and in rebellion. Indeed, the Lord God lives there. The Lord deserves praise. Day after day, he carries our burden, the God who delivers us. No matter what you see, no matter what's going on in your family and your circumstances right now, we must push beyond it and see a God who delivers. And God is not, he's not wringing his hands over what's happening in your family and our family. The Lord is in the place to deliver and liberate us into great glory out of bondage and set free. And the enemy wants to get us bound into some kind of other mindset in the Lord's like, I want you to press through. And even this morning, we push on through no matter what our eyes see. And we press on through with what the Lord has said. The Lord God delivers us. He delivered them through the Red Sea. He delivered them through the Jordan. God delivers. Where there doesn't seem to be a way, there is a way with the Lord. says our God is a God who delivers the Lord the sovereign Lord can even rescue from death sometimes in your relationship with the Lord he may he may even be pushed up to death's door and whether God delivers you by taking you into eternal splendor with him or he saves your life it doesn't matter because you're to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and to Paul said to die is to live more So no matter what, no matter what seems to be the circumstance in your life, I've seen this so many times, push on through. Press on through with the Lord and trust Him and sing the song of Zion. Indeed, God strikes the head of His enemies, the hairy foreheads of those who persist in rebellion. The Lord says, I will retrieve them from Bashan. I will bring back from the depths of the sea so that your feet may stomp in their blood and your dog their dogs may eat their portion of the enemy's corpses they see your processions oh god the processions of my god my king who marches along in holy splendor singers walk in front and musicians follow playing their strings instruments in the midst of the young women playing tambourines in your large assemblies praise god the lord in the assemblies of israel There is little Benjamin, their ruler, and the princes of Judah in their robes, along with the princes of Zebulun and Naphtali. God has decreed that you will be powerful. Oh God, 
you have acted on our behalf, demonstrate your power. As you come out of your temple in Jerusalem, kings bring tribute to you. Sound your battle cry against the wild beast of the reeds and the nations that assemble like a herd of calves led by bulls. They humble themselves and offer gold and silver as tribute. God scatters the nations that like to do battle. They come with a red cloth from Egypt, Ethiopia, voluntarily offering tribute to God. O kings of the kingdoms of the earth, sing to the Lord. Sing praises to the Lord, to the one who rides through the sky from ancient times. Look, he thunders loudly. Acknowledge God's power, his sovereignty over Israel and the power he reveals in the skies. You're awe-aspiring, O God, as you emerge from your holy temple. It is the God of Israel who gives the people power and strength. God deserves praise.
Everybody's singing now Cause we're so happy Oh, and everybody is singing now Cause we're so happy And if only we could see your face And see you smiling over us And unseen angels celebrate For joy is in this place Joy is in this place Even if it has to be by faith And joy is in this place Oh, and come 
He's worth all the praise. He is the most high. He's worth all the praise. Come, come, come. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. my 
than the last You are The beginning and the end And you, you are my first You are my last You are my future question does this word mean anything to anybody uh the word derek any anybody um derek anybody in the room how about derek and the number 27 does that mean anything to anybody you know what you know we go in faith we just have to step out into the word and say what are you saying um Yesterday, we were in prayer with the kids having our family devotions, and I heard the word say to me, Lankenshire. And um, I was like, that is the strangest thing, you know, Lankenshire. And I, I looked up Lankin and broke up the word, and it means tall. And I looked up Shire, and I found, of course, many of you probably watch The Hobbit and things and know about the Shire, but I didn't know that the tallest horse that ever was created by God was a, a Shire horse. It's the biggest horse. And the Lord had put these two words together, land, land, Landkin, Shire. And um, so today we step into this place with the Lord, and I hear Derek 27. And so I just, I'm like, Lord, you know, and I know that the Lord gives words of knowledge and things. And I didn't know someone here, know someone that's 27 or their name's Derek, or I don't know anybody named Derek. And they're 20, you do? Are they 27? No. Well, I typed in Derek 27 on the internet, on the Google, on the Google. Listen to this because the Lord was sharing with me, and maybe this is a, a, uh, an application. The name uh, Derek Hand comes from the position they typically occupy, which is at the top of a Derek. From this position, they guide the stands of drill pipe that are typically 90 feet, or get this, 27 meters long. And I thought, isn't this interesting? Into the fingers at the top of the derrick while tripping, removing the drill string out of the hole. When tripping into the hole or running in, they will pull the pipe up out by the fingers and guide it into the elevator suspended by the top drive. The Derrickan works closely with the mud engineer to bring the pipe up. <clears throat> Anyways, it looks like that the Lord may be saying something to us this morning about oil and the digging of oil. And he wants to bring oil. You know, oil is for the for anointing and Remember in last week we got into Eden Restored? Remember it says there's gold there? It also said there's an onyx stone there. You know, you've heard of black tea, right? 
Y'all seen it? The Beverly Hillbillies? Right. I think there's a provision here for the Lord for us. Because we went deep with Him. But there's an oil that's meant to come up out of the ground. An oil for... And I, I'm not saying I know all the applications. I just was like, huh, the Derek in the 27 feet. That... know when we've been digging in this foundation for this house for many years this is a we're going on 10 or 11 years of saying we'll go to the depths of whatever the foundation of the house of the lord is because the scripture says there's no other foundation that can be laid except who christ the lord there's no other foundation and um a few weeks ago when john harrison that word the word said pay attention because you've come up on gold and uh, I think this morning he's saying you come up on the oil. The oil of the Spirit. The, the oil of God. But in that was provision and blessing. Um, There's a partnership that we take with the Lord this morning. There's been a partnership that we've had in this house. I remember years ago, it was probably four or five years ago, we were running a, an event or a meeting, and the Word said, just keep on drilling, keep digging. One day, you're going to hit pay dirt. One day, my house, you're going to find a place in me, and you're going to hit what I've been looking for. It's found in the bedrock of Jesus Christ. It, it goes beneath the Constitution of the United States. It goes beneath every constitution of every other nation. There's a constitution in Jesus. There's a true foundation in the Lord. There's a true place that we can find in Him where oil just begins to bubble up. In Eden, there was onyx stone and there was gold there and bdellium, I think. I don't know how to pronounce that, but it was like a, a substance, a sticky substance. They said it was found there in Eden. And um, so we've hit upon something this morning. As, uh, you've been a Derrick and we've been a Derrick of holding this 27 meter pipe. Um, it's a prophetic picture that the Lord has for us. I, I, was, I was saying to the Lord, I said, Are you going to begin to do what you're doing with William Brand, Billy Branham? You know, this morning, because I don't know if you know Billy Branham and what happened to him, but he began to be able to see into things and he could identify issues and, and people would get healed and. Lives will be so transformed and changed because he could literally identify like a name and a location. Uh, he could see the sickness or see a problem and then raise the dead, heal the sick and things like that. And I thought, are we hitting upon that kind of oil this morning? Or we could begin to see and hear really clearly, distinctly, these kind of language of the Spirit and begin to move into this kind of level of anointing as a house. Um, and, and I long for that. I, I long for God to be, begin to move uh, by that kind of revelation. Um, well, maybe we ask the Holy Spirit. Maybe some of you might have something, but ask the Holy Spirit the, that there will be an application of the oil um, this morning over your life.
so the place that this it says in the garden of Eden and, and uh, you can look this up in Genesis chapter 2 verse 12 it says there was gold there and onyx stone and bdellium well I just looked up bdellium and this is what it says the composition of bdellium is it's a resin and it's an essential oil it says in the garden that that's what was there. There was, it's an essential oil from Comifora Africana. Um, it was used in, uh, for perfume as an incense and traditional medicine. It's similar to myrrh. It's, it's, um, it's not the exact same thing as myrrh, but it's similar. It says that, it says in Genesis 2.12, it was given as a product of Havilah, um, where it was listed among the other precious items, again, gold and onyx. Um, its reference is made again in Numbers chapter 11, I believe verse 7, and the manna was of a coriander seed, and the color thereof was the color of bedellium. Those are the two uses that you find in Scripture. Bedellium, and it says it's also an ingredient in the prescriptions of ancient physicians from uh, Galen to Paul of Gina. Um, and so there's something here, there is something here in a way of healing uh, this morning. Um, Bedellium is being used for not just for, you know, it's an Aramaic or a, um, something as a better aroma, but there's a there's a place here for healing this morning and if you, if you need healing this morning in your body if you're dealing with a physical issue um, just raise your hand you got a physical issue that you need healing for okay so we have physical healing issue all right Lord, we take the provision that was found in the Garden of Eden, this uh, the land of Eden. We take the provision, Lord, that you have made available for us, the provision for healing. Um, 
of this bedellium that has a very particular aspect for healing, Lord. I just pray this morning right now for these three persons who have raised their hand, Lord, that you would touch their body, Lord, and heal them. Pray, Lord, that, that this bedellium, this oil, the application of this oil would come on them. And we found a new place in you, Lord, today, in Eden, Lord. We see that the gold has been provided, Lord, for your house, and the onyx stone has been provided, but this bedellium is something maybe we've never come upon yet. But now in the foundation of your house, there's this provision for healing of a new type of healing to cover the pains or sicknesses that may be represented here. I just I pray for all sickness and disease that would flee from us. There can be no sickness and disease in your house, Lord. I just ask you, Jesus, this morning, we know that you bore the stripes, Lord, for our healing. We thank you for that healing. Thank you for the healing in the garden, Lord, that was that was provided, Lord, back back. And it was easily accessible to Adam and Eve, Lord. You as second Adam has made provision for it, reopened up the reservoir of oil. Pray, Lord, that you would just cover these your people, Lord, with your healing touch this morning. Heal, Lord, and we thank you. You're good and your mercies endure forever, Lord. You're great and you're glorious and you're honorable and you're king. You're victorious over all diseases and all sicknesses. You're victorious over sin and you're victorious, Lord. You're the victorious and righteous one. You're the lover of our souls. We bless your name. We bless you for your full provision and blessing over your people. We bless you even that oil would flow out of your house, Lord, and begin to touch those that are around us, bringing healing to our marriages and healing to our extended families. Lord, that you know how to bring this new place of restoration for us all. That we can be restored. That you have ordained the great restoration in the end of the age. This remnant, this great and mighty remnant will come forward in the earth. The royal family, Lord, restore our homes this morning. Restore our families. Restore our love for one another. Cause us to be motivated by love. Help us to go out for love. And everything that we we do and say, may we be motivated by your love. Not by our humanistic love, Lord, but by the love that flows from your very goodness. Lord, that we are blessed and favored by you and that you delight in us. And our homes can be filled with light and love. And we can experience your goodness. You're great. You're great, Lord.
speed this up I can't slow it down I'll just keep on breaking until I'm broken Dog out of your table It's what I've become
Amen. Amen. All right, well, good morning. <laughs> it's that tender presence of the Lord. He comes in and moves on us, and the Holy Spirit comes and ministers to our hearts, and it's been such a beautiful time together. I I really want to just encourage you uh, this morning. We When we engage with Young Men's Institute over, well, let's see, September the 20th, we began here. And, you know, some of this is going to come out on video because Henry and I and some other uh, gentlemen are working on video, 10 videos that are going to come out uh, describing the the storyline that we're in and it's you know going to go out on youtube and things and i think it'll be really helpful because the storyline that we're sitting in is just absolutely incredible and it's something that i think encourages us when we realize and i just want to snapshot one part of the storyline this morning uh before we take take up an, an offering but one of the snapshots on our storyline that we're engaged in was Originally, Asheville, and I've, I've said this before, i got to say it again, was called Edenland. And it was founded by a man whose last name was Davidson. And I, I think that that's significant. As someone who came originally into this part territory, and I think it was the 1700s, he, he says, you know, let's call this land Edenland. Right here, you know, in the valley area, in the mountains. And um, he, he called it that. And, and when we were... You know, coming in here and the Holy Spirit was saying, you know, I want you to go back to, to Eden and I'm going to establish the locus of both relationship and covenantal union, union in marriage and then take those who are outside of families and place them in a family and create a family, which in the end times is called a remnant. The remnant family, the offspring of God would begin to come together and that since we've been here, since September the 20th, years ago in our ministry, the Lord said you must go back to Eden by way of the cross. And our ministry is like, you must go like in reverse. And so like while we're pioneering forward, we're also going in reverse back to God's original intention for man and woman. That the Lord had a design for us to, for us to relate with him in the cool of the day, in the blessing of, the, of who he is as father and restore our families and bring us back into union or restoration with himself. And, you know, we had some really incredible times here together as the Lord was taking us backwards. And, you know, like five weeks ago, you know, the, the question that was previous to this, which is something everybody's dealing with or has been, who told you you were naked? You know, that question has been on man, a sense of how do I find my identity? Do I find it? Man has been going throughout life trying to find his identity and her identity by either, you know, ambition based in idolatry or uh, beauty or, or trying to, to get beauty based in uh, self-discovery. And these feminine and masculine attributes, and man has been trying to discover oneself and find out, who am I? And I mean, this is pervasive all throughout the nations. Most everybody is dealing with, if it's not a who question, it's a why question, which is, 
even more, or God is dead. Forget God. I'm going to just be an atheist. Forget him because he didn't come through for me and he doesn't care about me. And so you have this whole orphan mentality. And then you have this mentality as you back up into the garden and you stop so much asking the why question all the time. You start asking the who question. Who am I? Right. And your identity and my identity, our identity has been the, the world system is saying, find your identity in this idolatry or this adultery. It's saying, find your identity in this wealth-based way of, of gold and silver that the world wants to hand you or go find it in your own self-discovery. You know, a left-based system. And the Lord says, I want to take the tree of knowledge of good and evil out of the picture. And we start to feel the extraction of that tree we're seeing it right now politically, economically, and religiously in the nations. And you start, I don't know about you, but it's like, uh, you know, what am I going to eat from? The Lord says, come and eat from my presence and eat from the tree of life and your provision. But it, then the question comes in, is like, who am I? It's really interesting. Rafi brought this up. Why am I? I mean, that's where we're at, right? The Young Men's Institute, Why? Am I? Why do I exist? Anybody ever ask that question? Why do I exist? And this gets down to this deep, you know, philosophy gets into this. It's an existential question. It gets into why do I even exist? What's my purpose for even being? You feel this like, well, I don't know how to explain it. Like this vacuum inside. Why am I here? What's my purpose? Who am I? And man, it takes courage. Oh, it takes courage to let Jesus define us. To, to say, Lord, you define my why. You define my who. I'm no longer defined by the old self or the new self. You know, you can put on a new self and call it Christianity. And a lot of people have done that and they put the Christianese on their name and they can say all the right words, but still the self is still at the th center of the throne. And the word says to us, Hey, let me have yourself. And so there's a pain involved in this, a vacancy. And man, we signed up for this when we came here. Why am I? Who am I? Well, then a few weeks ago, about five weeks ago, and it really like hit us all. Where are you? Because the first question God ever asked man in the garden, in Eden land, was where are you? Now that's an interesting question. Any of you raise kids and they're doing things they're not supposed to do? And you say, now why did you do that? And if you get, you can go into it and say, is that the kind of person you are? Who? But has anybody ever asked your children, where are you at right now? <laughs> it's, a, it's kind of a more gracious thing, actually. But it, it was interesting to me that God would, that would be the first thing he would ask man. Where, where are you? Now, do you think God didn't know where Adam was and Eve? Oh, he knows. He knows where all of our souls are at, where we're positioned at, where our state of being is. He knows everything. He's, he's omniscient. He's omnipresent and he's omnipotent. He knows everything. He knows he's everywhere and he knows. So he doesn't have a question. Why is he asking Adam and Eve that? Where are you? 
They had, and I, I found this out, they had become spatially disoriented. Why? They had primarily related with God by light, not by sound. They, they were integrated with God by light. And you, you guys know the dark side gets into the chakras and the crystals and the light dimension, right? The dark side does this because there's something to be said about being reintegrated with God related to light and not sound. Light travels faster than sound. And the Lord wanted to restore us by light. It says about him, James chapter 1, he says, In him he is light, and in him is no variable or shadow of turning. God is light. <clears throat> he calls, he's the light of the world, right? And we see these passages. And so the Lord wanted to be relate to us by something that traveled faster than what we're used to sound. He was relating to Adam and Eve by light. And the Lord would, shows me like five weeks ago, when man sinned, we forsook this, this part of our nature. It couldn't perceive him in, anymore by light and the illumination of God. We started to come off and we got so far away from him. But when he came, when we came here, and I, I know it for some of us is painful. It, it's been painful. It, it doesn't feel, it's like, oh God, where are you at? Where are you? Where are you? Where were you when I needed you? Where are you? And he's like, I'm always there. What's going on? He said, you can't perceive me. It's like, well, how do you get your perceptor put back on? You know, I mean, he told me, he's like, you got to realize it's kind of like you've been driving a gasoline engine all these years, but I just put you in an electric vehicle. (laughs) I said, I don't understand. He said, well, it's kind of like GPS. It's going to fail when it could fail, but you got to navigate celestially. You know, even even the Navy has brought back celestial navigation recently because they realized that if someone jammed our GPS system, it would shut down all the navigation of our ships and our planes and everything. And there's rogue nations that might to get into that and jam GPS. The Lord said, you must relate to me celestially. I'm in the heavens. I saw, oh. You know, celestial navigation takes some skill. I don't know. Has anybody in here ever done celestial navigation? I was a navigator for the Air Force, and we didn't have to celestially navigate. I think most of my class would have probably failed because it's really difficult to do. Uh, So there's this connection with the Lord that he wants to have with us. But see, because of sin, it was broken. The reason why I got so Dang, I'm excited last week. I don't know how else to say it. Was the Holy Spirit brings into our midst this Eden has been restored. And we had a prophetic experience with God last week. All the way back through the question of where are you back beyond that. Do you know what was before that? The lie. And I, I want to share this with you because some of you are facing things. I, I want to encourage you. The enemy will fight tooth and nail to keep the lie going. That the father is not good. He wants to perpetuate that lie inside the human heart and say, don't trust him. Back out. Pull back. Don't take courage. He'll leave you vacated. He'll leave you exposed. He won't take care of you. I'm telling you, you might as well just go do things your own way. And the Lord is like, oh, 
Let me reveal my light to you so that you can see I'm always present and I'm there for you and I'm going to take care of you and I'm be- I'll do better. And he's like, trust me. It's called faith. But place all your trust in me. I've got a better deal going for you than you could ever make for yourself. His deal for Adam and Eve, listen, I want to give you this phrase. The Lord said this to me a few years ago. He said, man works to finish a place, but God takes and finishes a man and places him in a finished work. Now, now you got to hear this because the modus operandi of most people is if I work more and get more things going, I can finally arrive at a place of comfort and pleasure. I don't know if you know this, but that is the background psychology of most human beings. We're like, okay, I got to get this deal going. I got to make this deal. And if I do, I can get this right and my house will be fixed and I'll have these things and I'll get the car and I'll get my family together and we'll all have a happy time. Anybody else? That's a pervasive ideology everywhere. Do you know what that's called? The tree of knowledge of good and evil. The pervasive ideology is if I do these things and get all these things in order, one day I'll arrive. I was with some men in their 60s who retired out of the Air National Guard. They worked their whole life to come to a point of retirement. Do you know what happened to two of them after they retired within a week or two? They died. They had worked all these years to finally get their thing right with their wife and their kids. They retire and they die. And I, man, it scared me. I was 21 years old. And I said, no, no, no. And the Lord's like, it doesn't have to be like this. You don't have to live a life where you're constantly thinking every day, how can I get all these things right? Therefore, one day I'll live better. Listen, that is a false. That's what the enemy has put on human, the human culture is pervasive everywhere. It says that somehow I'll arrive one day in comfort and pleasure. And let me tell you, It's a lie. Let me tell you why. Because God says, let me do it for you. Now, this this has taken all the faith I've ever had to believe this. Because I was raised from a child carrying logs with my dad. He said, I'll split it and you pile it. And I thought that meant I was going to fly aircraft. But we were going to split and pile wood and we were going to burn wood in our cat in his house so we could stay warm. I didn't know that this ideology until the Lord opened my eyes some years ago had went into culture and was trying to get us all to think that one day I'll arrive if I do all these things and somehow it'll make things better. And the Lord says, listen, what I want to do is restore you back to relationship with me. And then I want to just give it to you. Think I'm radical. That was the, what Jesus died for. He said, come and eat from the tree of life and have life out of relationship with me. Who knew that you could have a relationship with God and he'd take care of everything. Jesus goes around doing it. He fed 20,000 people out of a kid's box lunch. Now, how did he do that? He tells his disciples, you feed them. He took care of everything. He gave them free health care. Did he not? 
He gave them free food. <laughs> he said, I'll put a crown on your head. You know, when he said that, he said, I'll give you a, he was trying to give them a stealth. I studied this. He's trying to give them a stealth robe. It means stealth technology where you're completely protected. He said, I'll give you that. I'll give you a crown and I'll pour oil all over you and anoint you. And they try to throw him off a cliff. Jesus is trying to crown man, bless man, give him oil, bless him. And they keep saying back to him, nope, I'm going to do it my own way. I'll take care of me. I'll take care of my family. I got this thing. I'm so convinced as a preacher of the gospel that it's good news. But now you got to believe this. Now, what does that mean? It's got to change the characterization of the way you live your life every day. Because you either eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, or you say, I want the tree of life. Now, here's the thing. If you eat from the tree of life, you got to walk in faith. Meaning that you won't know the outcome. That means God will say, all right, you're hooked up to this tree. Now, what I'm going to do is restore your character. I'm going to restore your nature first because he's a benefactor. Meaning that he gives you a new nature and he takes care of you. So God isn't in a trust relationship with you. You know the difference between trust and benefaction? A benefactor gives you their their nature and they bless you and take care of your health, your physical needs, and all your needs and your direction. A trust relationship, when it's set up, it just says, you don't have to do anything to get this, but I don't want to have anything to do with you. It's kind of like that. It's a legal action. But when God takes you on, he says, I want to give you me. Now, he's so good, though, and he's so loving. And then he comes near us and we say, at least me, get away from me. <laughs> you know, I didn't recognize that to be you. It, you didn't necessarily make me feel good about myself, about my sin. But push God off, you know, and he's like, no, let me come near. So the Lord runs a risk with us that if he comes near, we'll push him away because he's so loving. All right, so take courage. (laughs) You know, I don't know how else to say it. Take courage to believe. Jesus said, my father's always working. Take courage to come out of agreement with the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If I do more, I'll get more. If I make this happen or I discover myself, I'll somehow become this. No. Lord, what do you say? Now, the Lord is really interested in the way he tells us to do things. It'll be completely opposite of the way you think you should do things. You know, he doesn't do things exactly like we do. He'll say, go over there. You said, there's no way I can make it. He said, yeah, go over there. And you're like, there's no way I can make it. He said, exactly. Go and do that. Give away all your money. No. Don't tell me to do that. Give away your car. I don't, how many, some of you give away cars. Give away your house. That, that, that isn't going to work. I'm done with this. The word's like, whatever he says to do, listen, whatever the Holy Spirit out of light when you worship him says to do, do it. Now, he knows what he's doing because he made you and he knows how to fix us. He knows what he's doing. Now, that's what we're here for. We're here because God is going to take a whole company of people, rescue them, restore their families, restore us in faith, And don't get discouraged. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Press in with him and let him have his full way. His provision, his direction, and his protection is way beyond what we can do for ourselves.
Actually, the whole thing with COVID was meant to drive us to this place. It is. It's, it's meant to drive us because COVID crown, it means crown virus. It's meant to drive us to the crown. And either man is going to go after an Antichrist king or they'll go after King Jesus. Period. There won't be... The world is going. The world system is going to say here shortly, in the next coming years, give us a king to rule over us. That the world system will say that. They will because, as you and I know politically, the whole thing's like all over the place and it's crashing all around us. And people are going to say that isn't working. We need a global system. And and they're right. We will need a global system because there's one king meant to rule the nations. And then there's a false king, and he will raise up. And when he does, do not, do not, do not, do not go ahead and get off of that system of saying, I don't trust you, Lord. Go ahead and get on to the one that says, I trust you, Jesus. Right now is the time for this. It's all happening. It's happening in our families. It's happening everywhere. It's going to take, uh, we're going to be marked by this. Kara and I and the kids we watched this weekend, A Hidden Life. It, was that the name of it? And it's, it's what happened in Hitler's Germany. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting how akin it is to some of the things that are going on today in our nation. And we're on the front end of it. Yes, but when you watch the step and the process of what was happening to them culturally and socially, it's crazy how similar... The situations our nations are facing right now, how similar they are to what was happening in uh, Hitler's Germany. Okay, that's just a little. Let's take an offering this morning and bless the Lord. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your blessing. Lord, we thank you for wisdom as related to finance. I just pray your wisdom over businesses. Uh, initiatives here, Lord, that, that you're leading us into. I thank you for provision and blessing over our families. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you as you give. Amen. Thank you. Let's uh, all stand together. We're going to go to Luke chapter 1 at the end, and then I'm going to pick up in Luke 2 this morning. Stand together. In Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 80, And the child kept growing and becoming strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day he was revealed to Israel. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus to register all the empire for taxes. This was the first registration taken from Quirinius, who was the governor of Syria. Everyone went to his own town to be registered. So Joseph also went up into the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was of the house and family line of David. He went to be registered with Mary who was promised in marriage to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver a child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you for the anointing to preach. And I pray that this word would um, bring life to our, our, our nature and who we are. I pray that it would, you would be exalted and you would be blessed by this word. I pray that for your understanding, it would come into our 
ears and our eyes and that we would see clearly what you're saying to each one of us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. A number of weeks ago, and as you know, we've been in Luke's gospel uh, since we began here, and we're just, we, we've got through Luke chapter 1. It's taken us over three months. Uh, but I like to take time with God's Word because it's so rich and it's so vibrant and it's so life-giving. I, I feel like sometimes I can spend like hours just on one verse because it's like the uh, extrapolation of it. It's like a deep treasure chest that you can like come into and like understand. And I, I don't know if you read God's word, but you're just like, how is that even there? Where was I at? I read that 20 times and I never had seen that. And there he is again. And it, and it matches with where you're at in your current history, maybe, or it's matching with what you're going through as a, in your life. And, and it was so profound to me coming to the end of Luke chapter one, and, and realize this, if you haven't had a chance to listen to our, um, our messages, let Kara know your email and you can get in on our Collider podcast and listen to some of the lead up to this because it is profound to, to me how God has met us in, even in the, in his word like this as a ministry. But a couple of weeks ago, we had our Christmas dinner together and in the Christmas dinner, I was coming uh, to the end of Luke chapter 1, and I thought, I've got to get up and express this word uh, to our group. And I just felt this, you know, pressure kind of. And I was like, Lord, is this the right setting to do this? We've all got our bellies filled, and we're feeling good. And, you know, should I even minister the word? And I just feel this kind of, yes, come up and say this. And I get into Luke 1, and I'm finishing up the end of it, and I get to Luke 80, 180. And you know, we had, we have been, we went through Project Black Lightning here. We've been through the Consortium of Light. You know, and I'm like, these, they may be strange words to you, but you know, I've, I've went through this with you. I'm not, I can't rehash out everything, but the Consortium meaning when male and female come together as one, this Consortium, and God would bring forth light out of, when, when you get a male and female together in union, and you get relationship restored in marriage. And the enemy's attacking this and, and then also bringing in our extended family if we're not married to become one with a family, an extended family, because he, he takes those who are outside of marriage and he places them in a family and that we could have union together in our marriages. And this great light could begin to break forth out of our homes and God would restore our homes and restore our extended families. And it said, it said because a little bit before 80 said, because of our God's tender mercy, a dawning will break upon us from on high to give light, not sound, but light light's going to break forth. And, um, before we came here to this meeting, the Lord told me, he said, I'm going to send forth light and I'm going to. I go on the line with it numerous times. I'm going to gather a hundred and I'm going to save 10,000. And I'm like, whatever it takes, Lord. Whatever courage it takes, whatever pressing through it takes, 10,000 new converts in this city, it turned the city upside down. I was like, I, I was like, I'm, 
I'm in all the way to the end. I'm not backing off my position. God can, we need him to thunder out of the heavens with the lightning, come down with a consortium of light, and boom, bring forth a light. He said to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. The Lord wants this great peace to come upon us and our families. He doesn't like all the rivalry and contention and things. He wants to restore us. It says in Hebrews, without peace and holiness, no one will see the Lord. Without God bringing, without us going towards peace, not peacekeeping, but peacemaking, which is based in truth, okay, there will be the inability to perceive God. That we, we need both peace in our families, but we also need truth. You don't sort of, you know, I don't know if y'all have heard this before, but love without truth is hypocrisy. And truth without love is brutality. Love without truth is hypocrisy. But truth without love is brutality. And for the restoration of seeing God by light, you need both truth and love or peace. You need both truth and peace restored to your soul. And peacemaking involves truthfulness. It doesn't throw truth off. It doesn't become passive aggressive. It doesn't become dominant either. It's based in love, but it's truthful to the core. Sometimes I think we as believers may be a thought that if you brought forth truth, some people do it harshly and critically, and it's difficult. And some people say, well, the truth doesn't matter here, and we kind of hedge on it, and you can get into manipulation. Or you can jump on the other side, and you say, no, I'm going to put the rock fist down. You've rebelled. I'm going to control. And the Lord says, no, you lack peace. I want to bring peace in I want to bring truth or holiness. If you don't have these two qualities, light can't break forth so you can see God. Hebrews, right? Pursue peace with all men and holiness without which you will not see the Lord. Now, holiness isn't this criticism of the nature of man. It isn't this harshness. It's happy. Holiness is happy. Holiness brings true rejoicing. Holiness brings true joy. Because when we walk in truth, we walk in joy. But if we, and the enemy has tried this against us, uh, to get us off of truth, to get us into manipulation, to turn and angle things a little bit, or to get us into control, and the Lord says, no, you can't see me if you do that. Do you see why? Do you see what happened to Adam and Eve? They couldn't see him. Why? A lack of truth and holiness. Now here, let me say this to you. There's a real trick that the enemy employs against us. One is to get us to look at ourselves. Another one is to get us to look at others. Well, you lack truth and holiness. You lack truth and peace. You lack holiness and peace. You lack that. See, and see, you government officials, (laughs) you know. See, you church leadership. See, you economic advisors. See, you lack this. He gets all, the enemy will get your attention off of the Lord and get it diverted onto someone else. Get you to focus on someone else or to get you to focus on you. 
And here's what the Lord wants to do. He wants our focus to get on Him. To, to eat from the tree of life, not from that other tree. You see how deceptive the enemy is? He can just draw you off, and maybe he can't get you into sin. Maybe he can't get you into volitional sin. Maybe he can get you into non-commission-type sin, but maybe he doesn't get you into volitional sin. But if he can get your eyes focused on someone else's sin, or get your eyes even focused on your own, well, your guilt from the past, or your shame to the future, he can get your eyes off of the man Jesus Christ and get your focus off, and then, therefore, we don't see the Lord. You see the conflict? It's brewing, it's brewing. And, and I'll tell you, social media hasn't done us really any service. It hasn't. It, it was better. I, I, I don't mean this in the way of the Lord, but ignorance is bliss as it relates to a lot of things that are going on around us, and we don't need to look at it. We need to have our eyes set on the Lord and Him only. And it takes, it takes a direction of your will that says, I will pursue your presence. I am not going to put my eyes off my past and my future. Say not tomorrow what you shall do or look at your past. He said, while it is called today. So now listen, get your eyes off of who did this and who did that and what happened and all this and you'll notice it drags and drains your whole person down. You felt that before? It's like, oh man, I wish I could really get on board with this or I wish you could be a better Christian. Even that gets your eyes off Jesus. He says, come and eat from the tree of life. Come and eat from me. Partake of me. Again, without truth, without peace and without holiness, no man shall what? Say it with me. See, we have no perception of God without pursuing peace with all men and holiness you cannot see. So we talk about this great light dawning out of the heavens and out of on high. And we need a new perception of the brightness of the glory of God shining and illuminating our own eyes so we can begin to see and apprehend who this God is, the Godhead, because He is there, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. He is there wanting to speak to you and me right now. And He is there tomorrow morning and all during the day and at night. He's not just here. He's everywhere. Now we need to say, Lord, open my eyes to see. Psalms 13 says, as it says, open my eyes to see lest I sleep the sleep of what? Death. That we are asking the Lord to open our eyes, but again, you must pursue peace and holiness with all men. You will not be able to see. And I want to say this, that there is no way to see apart from the path of the cross. What does this mean? It means to lose one's own life for Jesus' sake and the gospel. Now, I don't mean social justice because there is a people who are saying, go lose your life and go give of your life. That has nothing to do with Jesus. It's not out of a relationship with him. See, Jesus wants a relationship with you and tells you how to lose your life. 
No one can take up your life or tell you how to give up your life. It is before the Lord. I'm, it's, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I think, verse 7 says, Let a man decide in his heart what he shall give. Do you see, I want to make this really clear, the path of light. I don't want to take away all the obstacles. I want to remove all the obstacles to light so that you may apprehend God who is wanting to get your attention by light and my attention by light. That if an obstacle is, I'm getting drawn off, drew off, excuse me, wrong English, but if I'm getting drew off, I'm getting drew off by the enemy to focus on me, to focus on them, out with it. And then how do I lay my life down? Well, God's, God tells us how to. You, out of a relationship with him, he picks something for you and you follow him. Because we know no one should tell you how to lay your life down. You know what that's called? Humanism. That's the, humanism says the end of all being, the end of all being is the happiness of man. So someone will come up to you and say, you don't really love the Lord because you didn't do such and such. If you really love the Lord, you would do this, 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 and this. this I, I'm, I don't need to get into it too much, but it's happening in our culture right now. If you love your fellow brother or sister, you will do this. Da, 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 da. If you don't do that, you don't love. But let the Lord decide. Remember Mary of Beth? Remember that story? It's pouring out all the... They say it was a year's wages. Some people say it was an entire inheritance. Now think about that. An entire inheritance poured out on Jesus' feet. The apostle, the future apostle, possible apostle there. Lord, uh, we could take all that, exchange it on the market, get more for it, and then give it all to the poor. What does the word say? I love this. Leave her alone. What she's done will be hurt. It will be talked about in the annals of history. What kind of man do you think you are, Jesus, that someone come and pour out all their uh, years or life's inheritance on your feet that are dirty, that's going to have to be cleaned again? Do you see that that example of love, we would look at that, most people would look at that and say, humanistically speaking, that that was a waste and that we could have fed all these people and fed the poor and the word says, leave her alone. Why? God has to decide the way that you give up your life. No one can do that for you. That's a decision between you and him. Now, so we're out of the thing like, well, I'm going to retain my life. And because the world system says, hey, I'm doing what's good for me. Forget you, right? Well, then you become a Christian and the Lord says, I'll do it my way. Then all these other Christians sometimes come around you and say, no, you don't love God unless you did it that way. That's Sinai, folks. That's not Zion. That's what Galatians 3 is talking about. Now, if we want to see God and then this light's going to dawn out of the midst of this camp, we, if we're going to see God move, and we are going to, he's going to have to be the determiner 
Now, what am I doing with you right now? I am setting the sovereignty of God as the highest principle of humanity that the gospel is and, and who he is is up to him. I'm, I'm changing the position with you and saying humanism is a, uh, I like how Paris Reed had, it's a miasma out of the pit of hell. And we're saying the glory of God is the end of all being. That God's glory is what, that the glory of Jesus is our, that is the height. And uh, well, I'll tell you, I can feel his presence right now. You know why? Because he likes this message. <laughs> you know, you felt him not be so near. But then you feel him near and you feel boldness because you proclaim that he is the righteous, royal, sovereign who has the right over our life. And we will not compromise this message. And listen, John the Baptist, this baby in Luke 180 that's coming forward, that's what he's going to proclaim. This end time messenger, the Baptist, this end time company of the spirit of Elijah that's coming down on the nations, do you know what it's going to proclaim? What I'm proclaiming to you now, the absolute sovereignty and lordship of the man Jesus Christ. With no caveats. <laughs> no more caveats. No more, you know, I don't know, man. I kind of want to do things my way. No, no. God forbid it. God forbid that we should run our own lives and be the author of our own life. And God forbid the whole idea that, that I had my own free will to do whatever I want. Or now I'm going to step on some toes. But it is God's will to make you free <laughs> through Christ. But when I go and espouse free will, when I go and espouse my own right, do you know what I'm invariably doing? I'm arrogant because I'm knocking at the very thing that has hurt man all the way back from the beginning of the garden. God's will is to make you free by the person of Jesus Christ to liberate our soul, right? Now, John the Baptist, the spirit of Elijah in the end of time will die for this message. The spirit of John, do you know, do you know why, do you know why he gets challenged? Because the Baptist, as we learned here on this stage, the Baptist and the Nazarene, the Baptist is among the people. The Baptist feels the people. The Baptist brings the presence of God. The Baptist deals with this. Why? Because the Baptist has to deal with this humanistic ideology. This humanism that is saying, well, if you really loved, you'd do this, this, and this, and this. And the Baptist has to say, enough of that. No, I'll tell you. And the child kept growing and became strong in the spirit until, and was in the wilderness until the day he was revealed to Israel. Oh man, I can't wait for this. I mean, I'm in the, oh man, I can't wait. It's like the most exciting thing in the world that the spirit of Elijah and the second advent of God is coming on the earth through you and I and is going to proclaim Jesus at the core of our being and not back off for anything because our eyes are so fixed on him we wouldn't move and change our resolve for anything. And that everything is trying to challenge us to say, don't be that kind of person. Give in, give in, give in, stop it. They're going, you don't, whatever. You know, look, there's something afoot in the text. I love this. Oh, something's going on. 
in the days, a decree goes out from Caesar Augustus, register all the empire for taxes. Why has God got an oppressive government in the midst of his corporate people? I mean, why do I have to pay taxes? I, I just say that out loud, yeah. Uh, Jesus will say later on, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, right? But why, why has he allowed some kind of oppressive system around God's people? So, that don't really make sense to me. He sends out a registration. Says, by Kyrenius, the governor of Syria. Now, what is a Syrian telling God's people what to do? <laughs> now, I'm a Jew. Now, what are you doing telling me what to do? You know, we, we, this is something that really baffled me years ago, especially in Philippians. You know, it says, and God, he, Jesus, speaking of Jesus, he didn't count it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. He came in the form and likeness of men. Why would God allow something that is oppressive over a people? I mean, we don't understand this. So we don't understand why that happens. I, I said, Lord, I'm scratching my head. He's like, I came down and got inside of a man's body and I hold the whole world in the palm of my hand. I was like, I do not understand you, Lord. I just want to say this because it's really poignant that you get this. God is after humility. We're like, throw off the oppressor. The Lord's kind of allowing it. For a time, throw off the oppression. The Lord's allowing it. Why? He's looking for us to navigate through humility to find Him. He's not looking for us to be ran over, but God's looking for a quality inside of the human heart that loves. I don't understand the ways of God. I don't understand why God condescended to man and came in the form of Jesus. I don't understand that. He's all powerful. He has the rights to everything. You ever had the rights to everything? You could just go get it and then you take it and you use it to serve instead of taking it for yourself. God's looking for that mentality. You don't know who I am. I'm pretty special. Yes, you are. Very special. But how are you going to find your avenue of God? Are you going to find it by actualizing in yourself or are you going to lose your life according to him and then find it see god allows a syrian Kyrenius, governor of syria to bring this thing over the jews why well there's this passage in scripture that says the syrian says in his heart he's god of the mountains but not god of the valleys why would the lord allow such a thing why? I, I believe I know why, because he's revealed this to me. Why? He wants to transfer heaven to earth. He wants to say that I'm God of the mountains and God of the valleys. But I've allowed you to be under something that appears as though it's going to um, hurt you or take something from you. Let me give you an example, because you need an illustration. I could tell. And... I just got one from the Lord. We need illustrations sometimes. Um, back when the COVID first started, our family 
Well, we were in Panama City Beach, Florida, and then later on in the year at, at my, my Uncle Phil and my Aunt Joey's house, uh, place down at the beach, and they let us stay there, and they blessed our family, and then we had to go out of there. And then <clears throat> later on uh, during the summer, they said, would you come out? They live in Crown Point, Indiana, and they said, would you come out and visit us for a week? And uh, we were excited because uh, I haven't ever really been able to spend as much time with them as I'd like to. And this is my mom's sister and her husband. And um, we were out in Kansas City, Missouri, and my Aunt Joe calls my, my mom and says that they had found out from the HOA, which was the Homeowners Association for their condo that they had on the lake, that we couldn't come stay there because if we weren't COVID tested... We couldn't come in, and HOA was going to forbid us coming to stay there. And my aunt got really upset. One of her responses was fear. We're going to have to submit to the HOA. The other response was, I'm going to sue them. (laughs) But I'll call my lawyer. And she calls my mom. She says, I'm really upset because they had been preparing for us to come for two or three weeks and we're excited. And I called my Aunt Joe and I said, uh, she says, I don't know what to do, Carol. And I, and I said, well, you only have three options. You either give in to what the HOA says and we don't come. Uh, and we go back to North Carolina from Kansas City. You can sue the HOA if you want to and threaten them, and they'll let us come in, but it'll create, she said, yeah, because her son works for for that organization, and they're basically cut him out of his uh, money because he's working for them. You see how this works, you know? So give in to fear, or we'll take your money, you know, from your son. We don't, they don't care because they're pretty well off, but their son needs the income for their provision for his family. And he lives there. He lives on the lake. They got him a house and things like that. And then, and I said, or oh, you got another option. What's that, Carol? We could come stay with you at your house. They have this really nice big home. But if y'all come, they're in their 60s and my uncle's in his 70s. If you come and y'all had COVID, we could die. Because Kara said, I'm not taking a COVID test. <laughs> you know, I'm just not. And I'm not saying if you say that you are, that's okay. But she said, no, I'm not doing it. And uh, she put her foot down. And I said, well, I mean, she said, no. And I said, okay. I was kind of stuck in this place. Well, we ended up staying at my aunt and uncle's house. And this closeness came between us that we've never had. My uncle, he really got touched by the Lord. And this relationship developed between us and this love came between our two families. Ended up going and praying for the sick there because he basically owns half the city. And ended up going and helping people and praying for people. And he's the one that orchestrated all of it. And he said, this is his kind of thing. Repentance. Who needs to repent? I love my life. That's the kind of man he is. But he got touched by the Lord. Why does God allow... Why did God allow COVID? 
It's either going to cause us to come into greater love or it's going to separate us. It's a crown reaper. It's going to either bring us into fellowship with one another to love one another. Or we're going to be afraid or we're going to be angry. Well, I'll sue you or I give in. But in some way, God brings us closer together. And I watched this happen in my own family. A family really, for since I've been a child, it's been sort of disconnected. Now all of a sudden it's been connection. We're out. This is crazy. We're in the middle of COVID. We're out riding in his yacht on Lake Michigan. We're having the time of our life. We, we're going to all these places all over the town. Our families are having the best time. Everyone's like, who could have known that in the middle? It's like, no, shut down, give in. Uh, your life's going to be miserable. It's like, no. We, we would rather not put our life in front of our relationship with one another. And God brought love and he brought a restoration. Why does he allow Cyrenius of Syria to bring a registration? Why? Well, he wants to bring us closer together in love in Bethlehem. Well, what... What if I, what if I get put out? L- listen to this. Listen to this in the text. Now I gave you an illustration. Maybe you can understand. So David, who's of the house of David, Joseph goes to Bethlehem. And in this little place, he finds out there's no room for them. But does God provide? Listen, this message today, it applies. <laughs> it applies to what? Does God provide? Does God provide? Does God provide? What? A manger. In the middle of this great humility, and no, listen, what's about to come on the earth? Uh, this king is coming back and all of our hearts being tested and tried all over our families and everything. God will make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way in the middle of an oppressive world system and government. God has a manger. The Lord will take care of us and our families. Do not lose courage. And even if we were to die, (laughs) you're going to be with the Lord. I mean, hey, you're going to be with the Lord. Do you see how heaven now comes to earth? Because eternity is here now. We're not somehow disconnected from him anymore because he's our great king and the lover of our hearts. What do we have to fear? We don't have to fear the loss of our homes, the loss of our provision, the loss of anything because we have him. We have the Lord. And the Lord always makes a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. The Lord always makes a way. I, uh, I ask you to go back to last week's sermon. I got into Bethlehem. I extrapolated Bethlehem for you. Bethlehem means what? House of what? Anybody know? Thank you. Thank you. The house of bread. 
And remember, remember throughout history, the place of the land of Benjamin was born in Bethlehem at the place of promise. Every, every blessing of God comes out of Bethlehem. The great king comes out of Bethlehem. The Lord, yes, is allowing us, the people of God, to go through this trial because the King Jesus, King Jesus comes forward. King Jesus becomes preeminent in our soul. A king comes out of Bethlehem. Yes, humble origins, yes, but the, the great king who's sitting right beside the Father right now, ruling and reigning with him, is coming back. Remember this with me as we close. Remember the where are you question I presented? Remember this. Hear me. Hear, hear, hear me. Where are you? Jesus comes back right where? In a manger. Where are you? God is not going to be without a place for his people. God is going to take care of you. God is going to take care of us. God has a path for you. Be strong and courageous to set your eyes on the man Jesus. Be, be vibrant even, even, if, even if it takes your own life. Be vibrant to go all the way to the very edge for trusting Him. Let not your heart be troubled, Jesus says in John 14. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. The Lord has made a journey on ahead of us and has made a way of provision for every single one of us. Can we uh, stand together? Israel knew it by the pogroms, you know, that were exacted against them. They knew it in the days of Hitler in Nazi Germany. They knew what it was to be extracted from their homes and be pushed out. And I'm not putting this on you and saying this. If you've never been homeless, if, if, if any of you ever experienced homelessness or a sense of alienation, I'll tell you, I know this to be a fact. The Lord is with you there. I didn't know you could go to the depths of of that. I didn't know that he would meet you there, but he will. He'll meet you every time. He's the God that brings heaven to earth. He's the God. He's the God that will cover you and take care of you. There's there's nothing. All these things have been striking out against us and saying, who are you? Why do I exist? Where am I? That you and I would be stabilized in the very nature and likeness and beauty of the Godhead. That we would find our hope in Him. And everything is trying to assault that in this world right now. But that we would be aggressive in ourselves to say, I will not back down. I will not lose heart. I will stay the course. Every decision that you make every day will be according to this path. And as the days grow more and more violent against this message. You will make a decision and we will make a decision and say, you first, Jesus. The radiance of our eyes will be so fixated on him and our beginning, you're beginning to see this happening through the nation. 
I will not take my eyes off of you, Lord. I will not remove my gaze from your beauty. But you feel his love and you say, I'm captured by your love, Lord, and your love is more greater than my very own life. I'll take your life. I'll take the burning in my heart. I'll take the burning of the man Jesus. Cast aside every sin that besets you, the the thing that's entangling you. Throw it off and be raptured up into the heart of the Lord. I'm raptured by you, Lord. I'm raptured by you. When you burn on my chest and you cause me to feel the flame of fire burning hot. I'm raptured by you because you're always good. Whether you took life or you gave it, you're still good. That you're still good. You know, Israel was starting to say this. His his mercy endures forever and great is his faithfulness. There's a place beyond this place. There's a place even beyond the manger. There's a place beyond our location. There's the place to be found in him, to be found in his love. The other day we were at the house, I oh man, and, and just in our bedroom, I put on the worship man, I just sat there and wept and wept and wept. I, the fire of God's love burning hot on the human heart. I said, man, you are chiefest among 10,000, among 10,000, among 10,000. Who can compare to the Lord? can compare to the Lord no nothing run aggressively as he leads you to lose all for him as he leads you our heart were strangely warm I wrote to Emmaus did we did our hearts not burn within us It was him. We didn't even recognize him. Did our hearts not burn hot within us? Take the fire. Take take the fire and let it burn hot in your chest. Right there in the center of your chest. Let the flame, let the flame burn hot. Oh, man. I love this flame. God on the human soul igniting it with love oh we're going to take communion together just uh, come forward with your families and up for communion said this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me
the moment of his great betrayal, when man was looking on him and had come to know him even as his disciples and wanted to figure out, are we going to be great? We're even struggling. The great apostolic team that's going to come forth and shape and change the whole known world. He said, this provision that I'm going to give you is going to solve all of this. I'm going to give you my blood. Because your human nature, your human capacity couldn't fully give over to me. So I'll give you myself so that you will be fully mine and I will be fully yours. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That our hearts would be courageous to be loyal. That we would not betray the Lord. Whether in life or in death. We would say, you're the great God. You're our King and our Savior and our Lord. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by you. We submit to you fully. We honor you, Jesus. We bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. Oh, we give you honor and glory and thanksgiving. We honor you, Lord. Oh, it is great to be the noble ones. Noble in heart and noble in virtue. Be noble for you to say, my life is yours, Lord. All myself is yours, Lord. Oh, and may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. And may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.